you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks, and I'm delighted to be your host, and it's a true honor to be your guide, to help support and coach you, and show you the way to successful retail transformation. Thank you for tuning in. This one is episode 147, number 147. E-commerce has led to an explosion in choice and inconvenience. So firstly, by choice, it's opened the world to you as a customer, so many different retailers and brands that you can now reach. And equally, as a retailer or as a brand, it has opened the world to you in terms of where your customers are, right? They could be located anywhere. And there's so much visibility, so much information, which can be a blessing and a curse, let's be honest, But I also mentioned it has led to an explosion in convenience. And by convenience, I mean that it's easy to find loads of retailers or brands from the comfort of your own sofa without having to travel from town to town as we used to do in the old fashioned days. (laughs) And of course, you know, convenience wouldn't be convenience without then the range of delivery or fulfillment options as well. But with so much choice and so much convenience, it adds a lot of pressure to the retail environment. It is hard to stand out from the crowd. Location is not the only thing that can help you stand out. However, I see three broad opportunities to stand out. Firstly, is around increasing awareness and attracting more browsers. Secondly, it's around helping people in their discovery and inspiration phases in terms of the shopping trip you know, really helping to convert your browsers to buyers. And then thirdly, it's around supporting customers once they have bought from you, turning those buyers into repeat buyers and advocates who recommend and evangelize, hopefully, (laughs) your brand. So increasing awareness, helping discovery and supporting after purchase. Now, the one area I haven't mentioned in terms of a broad opportunity is around that purchase point and the fulfillment. And the reason I haven't mentioned that as a huge opportunity is actually because they're pretty well understood and engineered as well. They are the table stakes, right? Whether it is what payment methods you accept, whether it is what fulfillment options or the speed of fulfillment options, you are defined by perhaps the badges that you can display on your on your website or at your checkout. You are defined by perhaps where your stores are located. You are defined by how quickly your supply chain can move. And those are, are great things to do. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely do pursue those opportunities, but they are not going to help you stand out from the crowd. Unless, of course, you go all the way and you are literally located in every possible area and you're doing super fast deliveries where no one else is, then they can help you stand out. But there is only one winner, really. It's a bit like price, right? But for the purposes of today's episode, we will say that purchase and fulfillment are well understood and well engineered. 
So let's go back to those three opportunities I did mention. Increasing awareness, helping discovery, and supporting after purchase. And in particular today, I would love to dive into the discovery section, because I think that is hugely exciting. Now, this is a two-part episode, so do make sure that you hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, so you make sure that you catch the next episode where we'll be continuing this topic. And I'm going to be asking you lots of questions today, really to provoke some thoughts and hopefully provoke some action as well. Now, a quick word of warning, some of those questions might seem like they might be a bit basic. Maybe you find yourself rolling your eyes thinking, really? But my ask of you is stick with it, because too often these basic questions are just not considered, and that ends up detracting from your intended strategy. And what that does is it means it gets confusing, it gets half-baked, half-delivered, right? And it is just going to mean that you do not do the job that you want or need to do. So if the questions seem basic, look into it. Make sure that you have a real understanding and make sure that your wider business has a real understanding as well. And hopefully the same understanding, because again, that could be a a sticky situation to find yourself in if different people have a different understanding of what you're trying to do. And I suppose the first question to you is, what is your strategy for discovery? How are you going to help customers explore your brand, your store, your range, the different options available? How do you help them browse? How do you help them come to a decision? And in fact, how does a customer of yours make that decision? Is it a flash purchase that is made quickly? Is it a more considered option? Because that, of course, drastically affects how discovery works for your particular brand. So do think about it. How does your customer need to make a decision? What do they need to know before buying? And how do they process that mentally? You know, what are the emotional states they're going through? And we'll dive into this in a little bit more detail shortly. But going back to that very first question, what is your strategy for discovery? I'd like to go one step further and say, How does that strategy play out across your different channels? Back in episode 126 of this podcast, that was an episode called The Complexity of Omnichannel Retail, I highlighted that there were 22 different channels, in fact. And actually, there were even more than that, to be perfectly honest with you. So do go and check that one out. That's episode 126. And I do manage to squeeze all of those 22 channels into one breath. (laughs) So you can enjoy that one. I'm not going to try that again. But think about all of those different channels. Which do you play and where do your customers play? And how does that discovery take part in each of those channels? And actually, as we know, they do swap channels seamlessly. (laughs) Buzzword there. As they do swap channels seamlessly, How does that discovery journey develop? How do you help customers? How do you hinder customers equally as well? So the first question is, what is your strategy for discovery? And then, a corollary, how does that play out across your different channels? We're going to be talking today both in terms of physical retail and digital retail as well. 
And we'll be touching on both as we go through. And I believe both of those broad buckets can learn a lot from each other. And look at all of your different channels, you know, 22, not just two, right? Look at them all and think, what can I learn? And what can each channel learn from each other? There'll be some great opportunities. Now, we will touch on this later on, but you must consider, why would someone be shopping with you? What is their mission? Because the difference between a panic purchase or gift shopping or just going for retail therapy or even a replenishment run, these are all very different experiences for your customer. And that is what is going on in their head. So how do you support people on that mission? Keep that in your mind as we go through this, because we will touch on it a bit later on. But that mission, why someone is shopping with you, is drastically going to change what discovery means in their head and for them. So let's go into the world of physical retail first. Now, traditionally, discovery, arguably, would start, I think, at the window display. Now, of course, you could say that marketing and advertising would play into that. And yes, it would. And I think that features in that first element that I touched on today, which is around increasing awareness and building awareness. Now, I have more of an operational focus, so we will come back to that session at some stage in the future. But let's say discovery in stores starts at the window display. My question to you is how are you using visual merchandising, VM, to be able to inspire, to intrigue, and to excite customers really with a view to get them to turn into your store. And further to that, how do you blend science with the art of visual merchandising? And I think this is particularly important. In my experience, visual merchandising has been a very artful topic. It is a skill that is built up over time and you can do it well or you can do it badly. But my challenge to you is how do you blend in that science? And what does that mean? Well, think about when you were at school. What does science mean when you were at school? And you may be rolling your eyes for a completely different (laughs) meaning at this stage, right? I appreciate that. But think, if you were doing a science experiment, you would have aims, right? You would have hypotheses. Well, you are trying to inspire, to intrigue, to excite, and to call your customers to action. So are those your actions? What are your hypotheses? And actually, how does it relate to the wider environment? Are you looking at passing footfall? Or actually, are you running a destination store where people are coming from afar specifically to go to your store? Are you looking at foot traffic? Are you looking at road traffic? Are you looking at maybe at train traffic or even just eyeball traffic, right? So think about what the aims are with your visual merchandising as it comes to discovery and bringing people in to start that journey or continue that journey thinking about blending science with the art of visual merchandising, what are the measures? What does success look like in terms of those window displays? How do you consistently deliver it, both inside the four walls of one store, as well as across an entire chain, without becoming perhaps just carbon copies? Because aspects like localization are still hugely important. How do you blend in that adjustment piece How do you make it relevant for the local target market and relevant for the local time as well? How do you make it an efficient operation? How do you ensure there's great accuracy in what you are doing 
and that it appeals to your target customer. And then finally, how are you sharing experience and learning and continuing to improve that VM skill set? So that's the beginning of our discovery journey, the window. Then we go into the store and there's lots of different aspects of the store that can help with discovery. And in fact, you can look at the science behind your store design, right? And that is all triggered by understanding your customer. So just like the windows that we just spoke about, you know, are you thinking about the aims and your purpose? Are you thinking about the wider environment? Are you thinking about measures and what success means and consistency and efficiency and accuracy and localization and relevance and how you share experience and learn and continually improve? Because if you can do this with your store design to support that discovery part of the customer journey, that's going to massively help. Another aspect is around adjacency. And here I would ask you, how can you take a project type mentality to merchandising to help your customers explore more of your range and your skill set as a, a retailer or as a brand in a relevant way? And here I am thinking back to my excellent conversation with Steve Collinge in episode 77 of the podcast, which was called Transformation in Home Improvement. But it had learnings far beyond just that category, looking at how a customer's purchase exists within their eyes. It is part of a project. Now, a project could be a bathroom refurbishment or repainting a bedroom, but it could equally be cooking a meal, or it could be creating a new look from a fashion perspective. So how are you going to perhaps add in elements of meal-based merchandising or shopping the look, for example, in how you use adjacency in your stores? And again, if you are not running stores, but you do run e-commerce, then think about these aspects as well, because we'll touch on them in a little bit. There could be huge learnings for you and huge opportunities to take what works well in stores and apply it online and equally vice versa as well. Now, of course, there's loads of different aspects of discovery in a store, and we can't dive into all of them in details, but it could be around your signage, whether that's digital signage or printed signage. Again, think about those different aspects of the science, right? It could be that you need to use changing rooms or trial areas. So again, what are the aims and so on? And actually, let me ask you this as a question. If you do operate changing rooms or some form of trial area or, you know, try before you buy sort of thing, is that a place to win a sale or is it a place to lose a sale? Think about that one. Is it a place to win or lose the sale? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that one. Equally, as we're thinking about discovery, maybe you want to think about impulse purchases at the tills. You know, which are those lines with great margin that are considered micro purchases by your customer in as much as they need very little decision making time? And especially think, where can you take those impulse purchases and add them, locate them in the store? And how can you add an element of urgency and sort of fear of missing out, FOMO, to these particular opportunities. Now, the one element that we have not discussed about stores, of course, is around people, which undoubtedly are an enormous part of physical stores. So how do they support the overall discovery for your customer? 
And let me just level up that question. How do they intentionally support the overall discovery for your customer? And when you think about intentionally supporting, what is it that they need to do? And how do you support them? You know, I'm thinking back to a brilliant conversation that was had at Retail Transformation Live 3, where we heard about how the Mole Group had transformed their colleagues from petrol or or gas pump attendants to really becoming retail advisors and how they had made that change, that transformation, both in people's heads and in people's hearts. And that was all supported by Axonify. And there were some great thoughts there around how do you inspire cultural change and upskilling through solutions like micro-training. So it's definitely worthwhile thinking about how are you going to support your people to intentionally support the overall discovery for your customers. And actually, as you're thinking about that, here's another question to ponder on. What is one of your colleagues' understanding of how discovery works? And what's the important part that they play in that discovery journey? And I'm not talking about they should. I'm talking about what people actually think, what they feel. Go and ask some people, have a conversation with your colleagues and go and find out. And my guess is there will be tons of golden nuggets in those conversations for you. Now, as I mentioned earlier on, we are going to divide this conversation. So we're going to take a break right here and continue on in the next episode, which is episode 148. But if you can't wait until then, then firstly, go and check out episode 126, where we spoke about the complexity of omnichannel retail. We also made some references to other episodes that you might want to check out. Episode 77 with Steve Collins, as we spoke about transformation in home improvement, which was, like I say, far beyond just that particular category. Some great golden nuggets in that episode. It would also be worthwhile checking out episodes 68 and 69, which are called How to Win Customers, with the founders of Uncrowd, Richard Hammond and Rocky Howard as we dived into missions and how you can assess what's really going on in your customers' heads to be able to intentionally plan out the friction and reward that you are offering them. And then finally, check out the previous episode, episode 146, with Insider Trends' Kate Trotter, as we spoke about the future of the department store. And I think this could be great inspiration to help you take a different look on perhaps a topic that is widely discussed in the media and on aspects like social media. Now, if you can't remember those episodes, then do head over to obandco.uk slash 147. And just before we do wrap up this episode, some additional questions to leave you with. Firstly, what are you intentionally going to do to take action after this episode? Because if you don't take action, that makes me sad. (laughs) Because nothing's going to change. There's no point enjoying this episode and then doing nothing afterwards, right? So what are you intentionally going to do differently? Are you going to reach out for help? Are you going to share this episode with a colleague? Are you going to face into a discussion? Are you going to zoom into a particular element of discovery? Then what are you going to do to serve and support your colleagues? 
maybe through tools or through training or through time or through encouraging the right behavior? And actually, how is the operating model set up to support this discovery phase? So once again, what are you intentionally going to do to take action after listening to this episode? Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to joining you for part two in episode 148. We'll be looking at more elements of online discovery. We'll be looking at aspects like video consultations. There's lots of exciting stuff in the pipeline coming in episode 148. But until then, thank you for listening. I'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Bye.